Thank you, Lord. If you would, open your Bibles to John chapter 10, and then we'll go over to 2 Corinthians. John chapter 10 and 10. Jesus said, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, if it's destroying, if it destroyed something in your life, if something was stolen out of your life, if something was killed in your life, according to Jesus, who did it? The thief. Well, who's the thief? Is that God? Is God the thief? Then why are so many people saying God's doing these things? When Jesus said it was the thief that did it. The thief steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus said, I am come. What? Not to steal something from you. Not to kill you. Right? Not to destroy something. Now, I know we've said this, and I know a lot of you agree with this in your heart, but this is a major, major issue all across the world. You've got millions of Christians that will see a tornado come through and kill somebody and say, we don't know why, but God took them. It's destruction. It's stealing. And God did it. God sent a tornado through a trailer park and threw somebody up against a tree and killed them. God did that. Now, millions of Christians believe it, but it's not true. I said it's not true. We've already talked about why there's so much curse and destruction in the earth. It's because of man's sin and the curse and the devil's work. And none of that, it wasn't God's will for us to sin. And so it's not God's will for the resultant curse. And so it's not God's will for the resulting destruction of the enemy. What did Jesus say happens when he comes? When he comes, not stealing, not killing, not destroying. What happens when he comes? I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Do you believe that? Abundant life. That's why Jesus came. This word abundant here. Let's see, there's about seven different forms of this word in the New Testament that I'm aware of that are translated different ways. But they all basically mean the same idea. They're translated abundance, abundant, abounding, exceeding. And the idea is, we've told you before, but we'll tell you again. The literal definition of these words is excess or excessive. A very good translation of these words is superabundant. That's very technically correct from the language. If you look at Strong's and Vines and Thayer's and different lexicons, that word superabundant is actually very accurate. Do you like the word superabundant? Superabundant. Do we really have a superabundant God? Now, abundant is good, but when it's super. (laughs) that's a step above isn't it abundant it also means listen to these uh, verses where these words are translated one says over and above another one says enough and to spare it's not just enough what is it it's not just abundant abundant would be plenty but what's super abundant that's more than plenty more than enough So it's excess in the sense of beyond excessive. One says surplusage. Surplusage is another way of saying excess. More than enough. If you haven't been with us, we've covered a lot of ground already. and The materials are available. Feel free to go back in the word supply and get your CDs or DVDs or go online. It's the quickest and easiest way. And download the previous messages. And we talked about different levels of living. And how that the New Testament tells us that what happened to Israel in their deliverance uh, out of Egyptian bondage. And coming through the wilderness and into the promised land. That this is all a type for us in the New Testament. And we see that they lived in not enough 
in slavery in Egypt, but then he brought them up out of that and they came into the wilderness and they had manna coming out of the sky, but they didn't have anything left over. It was just enough. It was supernatural provision, but it wasn't God's best. It wasn't what he had called them to. There was a place called Canaan's land that flowed with milk and honey. And he said, you won't have scarceness of any good thing in it. You'll come up. They came up out of not enough. They came into just enough. But his will was to bring them on into more than enough. Overflow. Excess. Surplusage. This has always been the will of God. Do you know that in the jungles all over the world, more bananas fall off the trees (laughs) And rot than the monkeys can ever eat. Did you know that? Did you know that? Do you know how many fish there are in the ocean? No. Nobody knows. <laughs> but I assure you it's more than enough. More than enough. People keep talking about, you know, the enemy always wants to get fear into us of running out. God wants to get faith into us of running over. Oh, come on, do you believe that? (laughs) People say, well, do you think we'll have enough? No. I think we'll have more than enough. Do you believe it? But now can you see about this fear of running out? Have you ever had a fear of running out? I know, you know, uh, I did not go through the Great Depression. And I'm thankful for that. But my, uh, you know, my grandparents did. And I knew different people that did, uncles and aunts that did. And I saw that it marked them. And I saw that most of them that I was around did not have the input of the word that you and I are talking about tonight. And they had, even Christians, they had a fear of running out. They had a fear of getting in that shape again. Like they got back during the depression. And I know my grandmother. And my aunts. Different ones. They'd keep food under the bed. (laughs) You know if. Tomatoes and canned stuff. Was on sale at the Piggly Wiggly. (laughs) They'd buy some extra ones. And put them under the bed. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? And just, you know, just in case. And, you know, you see people that keep stuff that they should throw away. They got every old washing machine that they ever had (laughs) since back in the 40s. It's out there in the backyard. (laughs) Why? Why? Why is it out there? Might. 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 Need it. What is that? That's a fear. Come on now. They haven't made washing machines like that in 20 years. <laughs> None of the parts on it will fit the one you got now. And it's rusting down. But what? Still there's a what? There's that, there's that fear. There's people that got you know in their kitchen. They got whole drawers in their cabinet full of these little packs of salt and pepper (laughs) and these little plastic spoons. They got whole drawers full of bread wrappers and ties. They got whole cabinets full of uh, margarine bowls. (laughs) When are you ever going to use 600 margarine bowls? How many of these plastic knives and forks do you need? (laughs) What can be going on there? It can be residual fear of running out. And friend, there's nothing all right about that. I said there's nothing all right. God did not give us the spirit of fear. Did he? But of power and of love. And a sound mind. I want you to say it out loud. Say it from your belly. Say it from down deep. Say it out loud. I will not run out. I will not run out. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. I'll have plenty. And my children and my grandchildren, we will have plenty our whole life long. I am not afraid. We'll have plenty to eat, plenty to wear, good place to live. I will always have plenty. Glory to God. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not giving any place to that fear. See, people can think, well, I'm just being a responsible person by worrying. No, that is being spiritually irresponsible. Because letting fear in is opening the door for it to happen. It's a spiritual law that what you fear can come on you. It's serious business to worry and fear. It's spiritually opening the door for the one that can still kill and destroy. If you really care about having enough and those under you having enough, then you've got to treat fear like a snake in your house. And you have to say, absolutely, I, we are not fearing. And if somebody runs in you crying and scared, some of your family, you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't let this in. The Lord's our shepherd. We shall not want. Right? We'll always have plenty. Always have plenty. Somebody say, what about this, uh, you know, what about the churches? And what about, the, what if this thing gets big? What if that's this word supply? Faith comes by hearing. That's what we're talking about in the offering. It don't make any difference how big it gets. If we're doing what he told us to do, it's going to be great. It's going to be good. We're not going to run out. I'm losing no sleep over this thing. None. I'm not wringing my hands. All I got to do is make sure, make sure, make sure it's him. Right? Doing what he's directing us to do. That's the big deal. And if we are, we're going to have more than enough to do it. More than enough. More than enough. We've seen the Lord's faithfulness just in the few years we've been a church, haven't we? How faithful he's been to us. Have we lacked? We have not lacked. We've had everything we need and more. Plenty to give. Can you say amen? Plenty to give. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the seventh chapter. I want to read in the Amplified. 2 Corinthians 7 and 6, I'm reading in the Amplified. 2 Corinthians 7 6. But God, who comforts and encourages and refreshes and cheers the depressed and the sinking, He comforted and encouraged and refreshed and cheered us by the arrival of Titus. How did he do it? Did you know we all need encouragement? We all need comfort. We all need to be refreshed and cheered. You never met anybody that was too encouraged. <laughs> You've never been to the place where I, please, I'm too encouraged as it is. I, <laughs> there's no such thing as too encouraged. Now, you'll meet a lot of people that are what? Discouraged, won't you? A lot of people that are depressed. And discouraged. Have you run across that in recent times? Somebody discouraged. Somebody depressed. Somebody down. Somebody weak. Somebody upset. Yeah. So what do they need? Well if they don't know the Lord. They need him. Right? They need to get born again. But if they know him. What do they need? They need to allow him. By his spirit. By his word. By his people. Did you notice this came through Titus, didn't it? God uses us to encourage us. Now, you can encourage yourself. In fact, you ought to try it out on yourself first. See how it works. If you can't encourage you, 
<laughs> Maybe you're not ready to encourage them. <laughs> Didn't the Bible say David encouraged himself in the Lord? And he was in a very trying, vexing situation. I mean, it looked like they had all lost their families and their houses and uh, their wives, their kids, their fortunes. Every, it looked like everything they had was gone and his own people was ready to stone him. The soldiers that were left. It seemed like he had nobody. There's nobody encouraging him. They wanting to kill him. But praise God. He was able by the Lord's help to encourage himself in the Lord. Found enough strength to seek the Lord and get answers. And they went and recovered all. Well, could you do that? With the Lord's help, can you encourage yourself? Hmm? You can get yourself by the ear. Drag yourself out of bed, out of the chair, right? And preach to yourself. And say, hey, boy, what are you doing? What are you doing thinking about that? What are you doing talking about that? You know how good the Lord's been to you? You know what he's done? You know what he said? You know who's inside you? And you can encourage yourself. Comfort yourself. Well, then God could use you to do that for somebody else, too. Keep going. Let's see further how some of these things happen down in the 8th chapter and uh, 13. I'm going to read in the Amplified. He's talking about an offering that they were gathering to minister to some people. He said, it's not that other people be eased and relieved and that you be burdened and suffer. Keep going, verse 14. But have an equality, your surplus over necessity. Say that out loud. Surplus, surplus. over necessity. necessity. Say it again. Surplus, surplus. over necessity. That your surplus over necessity at this present time going to meet their want and equalize the difference created by it so that at some other time their surplus, which would be over necessity, in turn may be given to supply your want. Now he's talking about surplus and God using that surplus for them to minister to each other. In doing so, encouraging them, refreshing them, comforting them. Is it comforting when your needs are met? Is it refreshing when your desires are fulfilled? Your surplus over necessity. Now, when you talk about prosperity, just that word rubs some folks the wrong way. And they think, ah, that's some money hungry preachers. Ah, it's this, ah, it's that. There are some folks that are off. But that's in every area. Right? And there are just as many folks that's off in the pew as there are behind the pulpit. Right? There's a whole bunch of folks that's off. (laughs) And let's don't judge them and let's don't judge each other. But how about you? I don't want to be off. I want to be on. I don't want to be in the ditch. I want to rightly divide the word of truth. And be free. And be a good witness. And there are people that, that leave the idea that, you know, just having enough. If I can have enough for me and mine and pay my bills, that's all I want. That's all I need. Well, what about everybody else? Our ministry is in our surplus. Come on, can you see this? Our ministry is in what we have above what we need. If we never have surplus, how much can we do for other people? People say, well, you can take what you have for your need and give to them. You can, but now your need's not met. Is it God's will that your needs not be met or their needs not be met? Or is surplus his will? Is he the God of increase, the God of abundance, and surplus is his will? I believe it is. I believe it's plain in the word. Keep going. Verse 15. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing over. He who gathered little, no lack. Keep reading. Thanks be to God who planted the same earnest zeal and care for you in the heart of Titus. 
Now what did God use Titus to do? Refresh. Encourage. Comfort. Do you see there's some money involved with this encouragement? Keep going. He not only welcomed and responded to our appeal, but was himself so keen in his enthusiasm and interest. Were they excited? That he was going to you of his own accord. Keep reading. We're sending along with him the brother Luke, whose praise is in the gospel ministry throughout all the churches. So they were, Luke and Titus is an encouragement team. Keep going. More than that, he's been appointed by the churches to travel as our companion in regard to this bountiful contribution. This has to do with some of this abounding, which we are administering for the glory of the Lord himself. What does great big offerings do? They glorify God when they're right. And to show our eager readiness to help one another. Keep going. We're on guard intending that no one should find anything for which to blame us in regard to our administration of this large contribution. Somebody say large contribution. Now this was going to help people who were in need. Keep going. We take thought beforehand and aim to be honest and absolutely above suspicion, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Keep going. Moreover, we're sending with them our brother whom we've often put to the test and found him zealous, earnest, now more than ever because of his absolute confidence in you. Keep going. As for Titus, now remember, what did Titus do? He encouraged them. He's my colleague and shares my work in your service. And the other two brethren, they're special messengers of the church. Church is a credit and a glory to Christ. Hallelujah. Does it encourage you when your needs are met? Does it encourage you when your desires are fulfilled? What does it do for you? How does it affect you? See, people try to say that, well, these things don't matter. It's just spiritual things that matter. But I want to read some other scriptures to you while we're talking about this. Just hold your place. You can just listen to these. The Lord said in um, Deuteronomy 3. Just hold your place where you are in 2 Corinthians. But Deuteronomy 3.28. The Lord told Moses to charge Joshua and do what? Encourage him and what? strengthen him which describes what encouraging does what is encouragement it's being strengthened when somebody's encouraged maybe they had gotten so weak in their faith until they had let go of their vision maybe they had gotten so weak that they had lost their joy and their excitement about this thing but when you're encouraged Now you find strength. Now you find another gear. Maybe you were stalled out. Because you're discouraged and depressed. But you get encouraged enough. You'll be strengthened enough to get back up. Dust yourself off. Come on, are you listening? And move forward. And get this thing. Believe this thing. Do this thing. The devil's always trying to discourage people. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work out. You're further from it than you were two years ago. No way, no how. You've tried 20 different things. None of them work. You're worse off than you were before. Discouraged. And if you think about that and you begin to believe that, you get depressed. Discouraged. Disgusted. Depressed. (laughs) Defeated. But how about encouraged, enlightened, equipped, enabled? Oh, that's preaching material right there. Is our God the God of encouragement? The God of abundance? The God of quickening? The God of life? I'm the way, he said. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm the light of the world. Life and light doesn't discourage you. It encourages you. And so he told him he knew Joshua had a big job in front of him. They got to take that promised land. They got to overcome all those enemies. And the Lord told him, encourage him and strengthen him. Why? That will enable him. 
to go before the people and cause them to inherit the land. Can you say amen? amen. Now look down in verse, well you don't have to turn there, but Second Chronicles 31 and 4. 31 and 4 says this, the people had gotten away from God. And the, the priests and the Levites and the singers and players and all the folks that worked in the temple had left their jobs and went to work in the fields and went to work with the flocks because there were no offerings coming in. And so there was no money and there was no food. So they all went basically, you know, so they went and got them a job and having something to eat. But the Lord raised up champions of the faith and got the people back to the word and got them back to God's ways. And he said this, he said he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and Levites. Why? Why? Now these are offerings. These are tithes and offerings so that they might be what? Encouraged in the law of the Lord. And if you read other translations, it talks about how that they might be able to give themselves to it. Well, if you're not having to do these other things, you could give yourself to the word. And that encourages you. I said that encourages you. When your needs are met and your bills are paid and you're able to do the things that the Lord's put on your heart. And you're not having to work five jobs, not getting enough sleep. Come on, are you listening? Worn out, worn down. You're not discouraged. You got everything you need. You got the latest and greatest. You got the best gear. You got the best equipment. Come on. You got the best help. You got the best facilities. You got the best cars and planes and trains and ships. That encourages you. That encourages you to say, man, I'm going to do more. I'm going to do better. I'm going to go on. Do everything the Lord's called me to do. But I've seen it. I've seen people where that everybody got bored and frustrated and disillusioned and quit giving and quit praying and quit believing and, and then the helpers quit and then the associates quit and the singers quit and then you had two people that did everything and of course they got discouraged because they're having to do everything and they quit and they closed the doors on the place. Have you ever seen or heard that kind of? I have seen it over and over again. And the material part of it can't be separated from the spiritual part of it. Because if the spiritual part of it's there, the material part of it will be there. Have you read the book of Acts? In the first few chapters of Acts, they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. And next thing you know, they're given like has not been recorded. Right? And nobody had any needs. You see people that are full of God and excited about God, you will see open pocketbooks. Open checkbooks. You'll see it. There's a flow. But when people are cold and backslid, they quit giving to, and they quit wanting to do anything, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Until you see people, they lose their places, they lose their equipment, they lose their opportunities. There's a phrase in the word connected with these things we're reading right now. It said people that were championing the things of God. They said we will not forsake the house of our God. And that's talking about everything that goes with it. Didn't the Bible say seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things you build, you know, your house and your clothes and your food. That'd be added to you if you're doing that first. Prosperity is right. Abundance is right. Selfishness is wrong. Covetousness is the problem. Go to James, please, fourth chapter. I believe we're getting to revelation. We're getting to light here that'll help us get rid of the junk that's hindered us, the stuff that's confused other people, and hold on to what's true and right and get the full measure of benefit and supply from it. Can you say amen? amen. James 4. James 4 verse 1. He said from whence come wars and fightings among you. Come they not hence. Even of your lusts that war in your members. Why do you argue and fuss and fight so much? 
Now this is an answer to many things right here. This is an answer to husbands and wives and families and kids. It's an answer to churches, church splits, denomination problems, fightings, wars, and fightings among you. He said, where do they come from? Don't they come from here? Your lusts. Now when we hear lust, people generally tend to think something sexual. But lust just means strong desire. It's your desires. And it primarily has to do with selfish desires. Strong, selfish desires. That's why you got so much fighting. Keep reading, verse 2. You lust, which means what? Strong, selfish desire, and you don't have it. You kill, you're willing to kill. And desire to have it, and you can't obtain it. You fight in war, but you don't have it. Why? Two big reasons he gives why we don't have it. Two big ones. Now we're talking about surplus. Is God's will surplus? Well, why wouldn't we have it? Number one, you have not because you ask not. And if you look at the previous chapters, in chapter one, he talked about asking in faith. Not wavering, not doubting, but asking and asking in faith. That's one of the biggest reasons why people don't have it. Not asking for it, not believing for it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. That's one reason we camped out on this for weeks. So we can have faith for it, so we can ask for it and believe for it. But that's not all there is to it. Number two is what? You ask, you ask, but still don't get it. Why? Because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your strong, selfish desires. This is the problem, saints. The thing that is hindering even Bible-toting, confession-making, prosperity-believing people from seeing the surplus that is God's will Number one, lack of faith. Number two, lack of love. Lack of love. Love refers to love for God and love for others. These lusts that he keeps referring to is love of self. Love of what I want. And when you're talking about faith for prosperity, faith for sowing and reaping, if all you think about is what I want, then that's not going to work. We won't get into the surplus that God's talking about. Because this surplus is not just so we can stockpile personal stuff with no end in sight. The Lord wants us to have and enjoy things. You know there are verses that talk about that. But if my main motive is just getting what I want, then I'll be asking amiss. And my focus, what does amiss mean? It means off target. Off. I'm asking off. I'm believing off. Off target. Do you reckon there's some folks that have been off target? Too much emphasis on what I want. In fact, that's all the emphasis. (laughs) It's just on what I want. (laughs) Selah. (laughs) But we've been called to something else. I said we've been called to something else. Go to Ephesians. The second chapter. Get ready to shout. While you're going there, I'll read another couple of scriptures to you. Can you get too many scriptures? No. Can you get too enlightened? No. Too encouraged? No. Too built up? No. no, you can't. What comes by hearing and hearing by the word? Faith. Can you get too much faith? There ain't no such thing. There's too much fear. Any is too much. 
But there's not too much faith. 2 Timothy 3, 1 says this. Just put it up on the screen. Y'all can look at the screen. 2 Timothy 3, 1 said, This know in the last days perilous times will come. Then it tells you why they'll be so perilous. Verse 2. For men shall be what? Lovers of their own selves. And that means more than anything. And that's why it's so perilous. Because they're willing to sacrifice you. To get what I want. Covetous. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient. Unthankful. Unholy. Keep going. Without natural affection. Truce breakers. False accusers. Incontinence. Fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Why? Why? Why do they do all that stuff? Because they love their self and what they want more than anybody else and anything else. That's why all this stuff results. That's why times and places get dangerous. Because folks get to where they don't care what happens to you. As long as I get what I want. They don't care what it costs you. Keep going. Traitors. Why? Why would somebody be a traitor? They don't mind lying to you and being disloyal to you as long as what? As long as I get what I want. Heady, high-minded, lovers of what? And it's not just about what they need. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They love what they want more than they love you, more than they love mom and daddy, spouse and kids, more than they love God. They love what they want. This is just a fact. Now this is not you and me. That was weak. I said this is not you and me. Right? Do you love what you want more than anything else in the world? No you don't. No I don't. And it has to be a choice. Because you do have flesh. You got flesh like these people got flesh. You got flesh like anybody. If you yield to your flesh or I yield to my flesh. Any of us can get selfish off the chart within a few days time all you got to do is just dwell and think about what I want night and day and talk about what I want what I want what I want and the more you think about it the more in love you get with what you want the less you're in love with anything else that gets in the way of it and the more you're willing to sacrifice it lovers of pleasure Lovers of themselves more than of God. Somebody say, that's not me. What is the New Testament commandment? Come on, help me out. What is the new, what, the, how many would agree this is one of the biggest things in the Bible, right? He's got right up at the top of the biggest thing in the Bible. Jesus said, new commandment I give unto you. What is it? That you love yourself. What you want. What makes you happy? What you think will make you happy? No, that you love one another as what? As I have loved you. Was Jesus loving what he wanted to do when he went to the cross? No. No. He prayed and said, Father, everything's possible with you. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Basically, I don't want to do this after the flesh. What does it mean when he says, not my will, but your will be done? Does that mean they were exactly the same? He was wanting to do it? No. Oh, but thank God. (laughs) Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he was willing for it to cost him everything if it would get it for us. Now that is the love of God and that is the law of Christ and that same spirit and love has been shed abroad in my heart and your heart by the Holy Ghost. And if we'll let that love dominate us, then that'll be our desire stronger than the desires of our flesh. Now you're going to have your flesh to deal with and you can be selfish anytime you decide to be. But if you'll let that love dominate you, you will begin reaching for bigger than you've ever reached for and believing for bigger than you've ever believed for. But the only way that faith is going to work 
is when it works by love. If you're trying to use all your faith to believe for big piles of stuff for yourself and that's all you ever do, you're going to stall out. You're going to hit a wall. And you won't take far to get there. Because your world is just not big enough. Your vision is just not big enough. And the faith of God works, operates, functions by the love of God. Oh, but friend, if you get your eyes off of your personal desires and want, and you get to believing for somebody else, you talk about the sky's the limit. The sky's not even the limit. It will not get too big. You can just keep going and going. It can just keep getting bigger and bigger. You're already in it. A church, a big church, another church, a word supply, a bigger word supply. Come on, are you listening? It can just get bigger and bigger. Why? I'm not believing this stuff is not going to my house. I don't need this money for me, for Phyllis, for you personally. What are we doing this for? I want to sow train loads of materials to believers in China. Come on, are you listening? To believers in South America. I want to sow train loads of materials. Do you? It takes millions of dollars. That's no problem. No problem. You can believe for it. I can believe for it. We can believe for it. And that's not what it takes to run us here in Branson. That's surplus. That's over and above what it takes to run us. Friends, are we touching something big here? Are we touching something great here? Can you sense it in your spirit? Is it going to encourage believers? Is it going to help people? You hear these testimonies? Numerous things. And that we won't be limited to that. There are other ways we can encourage too. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Why did the Lord give us power to get wealth? To establish his covenant. Hallelujah. His covenant includes being so blessed you don't have room to contain it. Having to take out the old because of the influx of the new. Is that right? Now go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. You said you're believing with me. Somebody say surplus. Way, way more than just enough. Way more. Whew. Ephesians 2. You got anything marked over there in Ephesians 2? Ephesians 2. Verse 4. Ephesians 2 4 says, But God, who is rich. Somebody say, God is rich. Come on, say it again. God is rich. He's rich. God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Hallelujah. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How many know that is not the bottom of the barrel? That's the top. That's above only and not beneath. That in the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches. Somebody say, he's rich, he's rich, he's rich, God is rich. The exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For. He said all that about being rich and exceeding for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to have big piles of stuff. (laughs) 
What are we created for? We are created, predestined, foreordained to do abundance of good works. Why? Because we're made in the likeness and image of the one who came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Well, that's what we're sent to do. To minister abundant life in varied, multiple, good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. Before you were born, before I was born, God knew you. He knew me. He saw your face. He knew your heart. He knew you'd say yes to him. (laughs) Even the 133 times you said no and wait. He knew, he knew that before it was all said and done, you'd say yes and you'd really love him and you'd really care. And so he had a plan for you before you ever drew your first breath. He had a path for you to take. He had a course for you to run. And it includes many good works that you are predestined to do. And of course, if you're predestined to do all these good works, there must be a supply. Hmm? There must be a supply that God has already provided. Say it out loud. I am called called to do good works. works. Now we're not to do these good works trying to save ourselves. He just got to, didn't he say, what the previous verse of this, back up, verse 9. What did verse 9 say? Not a, these works don't save us. We're not doing these works to try to be good enough so that we can go to heaven. That's not possible. We could never do enough to get there. Mm-mm, no. We're saved by grace, by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But having now been saved by grace, come on, what happens after you've been saved by grace? You begin to realize God had a plan. How He knew I'd say yes. He knew I'd obey him. He knew I'd follow him. And he created me in Christ Jesus unto good works. Let me read some other translations. The NIV says we are God's workmanship. Did you know you are a one of a kind? Original by the greatest master in the universe. You are a signed original. His name is on you. And in you. Next time the devil tells you, ah, oh, you're nothing, you're, you're a waste of space. People would be better off if you wasn't even around. You say, you dirty dog liar. <laughs> I am. I am. The apple of his eye. I am. I am. I've been, the Lord paid the most for me. And the rest of us, of anything that's ever been paid in the universe, all through time and eternity. How many know God does not pay that kind of price for something that's worth nothing? God would know not to pay a billion dollars for a dollar fifty item. Wouldn't he know? Wouldn't he know? Now it's us who don't know how valuable we are. Because the devil's lied to us so much. I am... The workmanship of God. (laughs) I've been created. Just like he created the stars and the planets. He created you. And he created me for a purpose. What's our purpose in life? To do good works. We're God's workmanship. That God prepared in advance for us to do. Hallelujah. The Living Bible says it like this. God himself made us what we are 
and has given us new lives in Christ Jesus. And long ago, long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. Hallelujah. That's another way of saying the same thing. Did you know nothing else will make you happier? Nothing else will make you as happy as being able to do things for other people. In fact, you start doing it very much, you'll get addicted to it. (laughs) And then if you don't do it for a few days, you start having withdrawals and you go, man, I need my fix. What do you need? I need to do something for somebody. I need to help somebody. Why? Because there is nothing like it. There's nothing that will bless you and satisfy you and fulfill you and minister to you. And there's nothing so easy as believing for things for somebody else. When you get the selfishness element out of it, and your faith's working by that powerful love of God, it's so easy. I mean, this thing we're doing right now with the Word Production Center, this is the easiest project we've ever had. And it's obvious it's going to be the biggest. When this thing gets going, we're talking about the potential of touching billions. It's just a fraction of some of these populations of these other languages decide they want some preaching and teaching. And they decide to share it with three of their friends. (laughs) This thing could get big in a hurry. But can we believe for it? Why? Because this is not about just piling something up at my house. This is about helping somebody, right? And doing something for somebody else. And so our faith will soar. There won't be a cap on it. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Look at the amplified. The amplified on this. Who? Thank you Lord. Somebody say abounding ability. He said we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life. (laughs) See, here's where the mind renewal is. Here's where the Lord's been bringing us for weeks now to this place right here tonight. Many think the good life is two cars, a boat, a house. What's the good life? Retired, have enough money to not have to work, be able to fish or golf all the time. The good life. Be able to travel a little bit, have some fun. If I got enough for me and mine, that's all we need. Then we call ourselves blessed. Well, see, living in the desert, you got enough, even having miracles. But that's not the will of God. Canaan's land is over there. Canaan's land is over there where the milk and honey flows. Where there's an overflow of everything. And the Lord wants wants us to enjoy some things. But that's not the good life. I said, that's not the good life. Come on, tell me what the good life is. The good life is you are so blessed, you don't even have to think about your stuff. It's all taken care of. It's all paid for. And you're spending your days and nights flowing to others. Oh, come on. You're at the right place at the right time. And the Lord shows you they have a need and you got surplus. And it happens again and again and again. No, you don't let anybody make you their source. No, and you don't, you're not just being led by needs. You're just one person in the body. Oh, but you can be used of him to show up at the right place at the right time. And the encouragement of God be manifested because you obeyed him and did what he told you to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's the word. It's the supply 
The Lord confirming the word with signs. That means things happening that show the word was true and confirm the word. Stand on your feet, everybody. Let me, I can talk to you standing up, Ken. I want to tell you about something you did this week. (laughs) You ready to hear it? If you gave in this church, then you're a part of this. If you've given in the general tithes and offerings of this church in times past, then uh, you have a part of this. Mike and I are out at uh, Bakersfield, California this week, preaching two nights there. And uh, the Lord gave me a very specific word. He always does. About something. I didn't know anything about it, but it turned out it was exactly what they were bleeding for. And exactly where they were. No way that you could know. And after the first night, they began to get stirred and encouraged about it. And so uh, I asked them about, the, they had a building project. And sure enough, they did. There was a, uh, they're about to build a new sanctuary out there. And they've been faithful folks. They've been out there for 28 years. Faithful. How many know you could have left several times <laughs> in 28 years and quit, but they didn't. And so uh, there had been numerous things, that, that delays and delays and, and just waiting and delays. And, and I was just prompted to say, well, uh, what about taking steps and doing it in phases? I said, what'd be the first phase? They said, well, uh, the foundation. Uh, pour the concrete and all that, and then the steel goes up, and then, you know, just what we're doing right here, you know, how you build a building. And they got stirred up, and they said, well, yeah, we're going to pray about that and look at that. Well, the second night, we talked about taking steps, and we talked about uh, laying hold and, and believing God and progressively, and by the end of the, the word was the main thing, and the people got stirred up and encouraged. And then, so I said, uh, I said, how many are excited about the project, uh, the new sanctuary? And they begin to say, yeah, we're excited. I said, well, praise God, the Lord has dealt with me. For us in Faith Life Church, we're to sow the foundation. We're to sow the foundation so that uh, then you can jump on this. And we talked about in Nehemiah how when they built the wall, one man didn't build the wall. He said, this guy built this part and next to him built and next to him built and next to him built. And when everybody took a piece and believed for it, man, that thing went up quick and it went up right. And that place was wired. Man, they were so excited. Oh, they shouted. They praised God. Glory to God. The pastors were excited. The people were excited. The ushers were excited. The kids were excited. And they're just pumped that their new sanctuary, after some delay, is happening right now. It's going coming to pass. The encouragement was tangible. Well, everybody that sowed uh, into the offerings, everybody that sowed into sending us over there, we came at no charge. We paid our expenses and everything. We sowed materials while we were there. And they sowed us a good offering. They did. But we didn't charge anything. And so you had a part. If you're part of this church and you prayed and you sowed, you helped cause that bunch to be encouraged and stirred up out there. Hallelujah. You know, what was it a year and a half or so ago over in Pennsylvania where their new church and their facility had kind of got stalled and, and hadn't made progress for quite some time. And the Lord dealt with us to sow that seed. Do you remember that? And so you talk about pumped and encouraged. That bunch. Well, they're having me come in a couple of months to dedicate the new facility. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's just about done. And it's nice. It's big and it's top notch. Somebody say glory to God. Well, did that encourage them? You'd almost had to be there to know what I'm talking about. But you talk about a shot in the arm. You talk about like, hey, get out of the way, devil. We're doing this. And we're doing this now. You can't hold us up any longer. Now, when the Lord keeps talking to you and me, us, Faith Life Church, about two strong churches and everything paid for, what does that mean? We're talking about levels of surplus we have not seen, which is levels of ability, ability. And the Lord's going to show us thing after thing. We're going to be at the right place at the right time. Come on, are you listening? And we're going to have the word and we're going to have the money and the stuff and the ability. 
where those that were discouraged, and I'm talking about everybody from the guy that got saved two weeks ago to the pastor, anybody that had gotten discouraged or disgruntled or depressed, do you believe God could use us? Use you, use me, use us. I'm not just talking about when I go out on the meeting. I'm talking about when you see somebody on the job. I'm talking about when you see somebody at a place of business. You got a word and you got stuff. And if the Lord, as he leads you and directs you, you are going to do something. And it is going to be like a shout, like a lightning bolt from the sky that God is saying to them, I know where you are. I love you. I hadn't forgot about you. And here is what you've been believing for. And glory to God, even though they might have been half quit, they will stir up and they'll believe God and they'll go big guns for God like never before because they are encouraged in him. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.